Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Lisa Copeland. And Lisa is a leading internationally recognized love coach and dating expert for women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. She inspires and teaches women how to feel lovable and empowered as they travel the journey of finding true love in the second half of their life with a quality man. She's the author of The Winning Dating Formula for Women Over 50, Get her free report, The Five Little Known Secrets to Finding a Quality Man at findaqualityman.com. And if you're ready or you want to be ready for a new relationship, you're going to love my next guest, Lisa Copeland. She's going to be talking about feeling lovable and empowered after betrayal. I mean, let's face it. If your betrayal was from a spouse or a partner, your confidence, self-esteem, and so much more has been hard hit. How do you rebuild all of that so you don't attract the same type of person again? Lisa is going to tell us how. Here she is. Okay, so today we have Lisa Copeland with us, and she's going to be talking about feeling lovable and empowered after betrayal. And this is so important because we are just so hard hit after betrayal. So Lisa's going to show us the way out. So hi, Lisa. Welcome. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me here. (laughs) Of course. So I know your work is all around uh, helping women find love after, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s. How do we, what, what does betrayal do as far as finding love again? Well, first of all, when you're betrayed, There's a lot of anger there. Uh, That's the first place that it starts. And you're angry at the person, you're angry at yourself. And when it comes to dating, when you're holding on to this kind of anger, it's very hard to attract a good man into your life. What you'll probably end up doing is attracting another person who will betray you because you haven't healed the wounds for why this has happened you know, for what happened to you as you went, as you were in a relationship. And you know what? I want to just stop you there because that's so, that's so true. When there is a lesson that we need to learn or some healing that needs to happen and we don't do the work to do that, it keeps showing up in the form of an opportunity of another person pointing it out to us. And, uh, you know, the lessons just get louder and louder until we hear it. So I'm just so glad you pointed that out. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Thank you. The second thing is when we feel, when we've been betrayed in a a marriage or a long-term relationship, we think there's something wrong with us. And we'll pull that into the dating world too. We don't feel the confidence that needs to be felt to move into the dating world. And it's really important to heal, to take the time to heal. I know a lot of women think, oh my God, I'm on a time, you know, a short time span here, which you're not, you have a lot of years still, but it's really worth taking six months to a year, get yourself cleaned up so that you feel good coming back out into the dating world. Mm. And, you know, you, you bring up so many points, but one of them is, and I see this so much in, in my community where someone's been betrayed and then the betrayer, as if the betrayal wasn't bad enough, the betrayer then blames them. Well, I, you know, you're not attractive. I wasn't in love with Mm you, all of these things. And then just for whatever reason, they believe it. How do you help them get over beliefs like that? Well, when I work with my private clients, we work on what this is, it's called a limiting belief. And we've taken the story someone told us and we made it our own. 
for example, can I share something that happened in my own life? With, sure, uh, of course. Okay. My first husband, we were married 24 years. He's the father of my kids. And he once said to me, you know, you're not very creative. He was painting, making paintings of some sort. Mm-hmm. And he says, you're not creative. And I internalized that. And I kept thinking, I'm not creative. I can't do this or that. And then I went for a psychic reading. My sister and I went for psychic readings. And the psychic says to me, you know, Lisa, you are really creative. And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, who told you that you were not? And I had to re- uh, relearned that I am creative and I am extremely creative just in different ways. So when I work with clients, we really dig into the uh, story that they've been telling themselves. And we look at what it's costing them to hold on to a story that somebody else said about them. It isn't even something they believed. I didn't, mm. I, I, you know, I thought I was creative until my husband at the time said to me, you're not creative. I wasn't Mm. creative in the way he was. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, and this just brings up such a great point. Just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. And Mm -hmm. they're, they're seeing something or saying something, it's coming through and from their own lens or for whatever reason they're they're you know who knows the reason why someone's saying something but that doesn't mean it's automatically ours to embrace i think what happens is we believe that person we trust that person so we don't even question it and i would invite everybody listening not only question everything everybody else says to you question what you say to you even most importantly Yes, really important because we take the story, we internalize it, and we point evidence to make it true. Mm -hmm. So if if a, a man has said to you, you weren't pretty enough, what we'll do is we'll look in the mirror and we will see every flaw we have. We will, our energy will dim. And when we go out into the world, then people won't look at us. And it's all because we're carrying around this belief that we're not pretty enough for people to want us again. And it's not even a true story. We've just, somebody told it to us. We believed it. We internalized it. We began pointing evidence to keep it true. And this is what I work with clients with all the time to to uh, show that the evidence we're pointing is not true because that's what you have to do. And you have to look at the cost for holding on to that belief that someone told you. And those, yep, go ahead. I was going to say, and so many of these beliefs though are just really, they're under the radar. We don't even know that this is at the root of the reason why we're doing what we're doing. So how do you how do you help somebody realize, well, these are your beliefs and this is how it's showing up? Because maybe they don't even realize that they actually believe, you know, they're not attractive or worthy or deserving. I mean, these are some major underlying beliefs that are affecting every area of their life, but they, they may not be consciously aware of it. So how do you have them become aware of what they believe? If I say to a woman, what do you, you know, what are your limiting beliefs? They will say to me, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if I did that, they would go, what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. What happens is, is we start the work. I work with women. When I work with private clients, we start in a VIP day together. And so many of them start popping up as we're trying to get a clear vision of the right man for them. And we start to write these limiting beliefs down. They, they come up as you start doing work. 
if you're not aware of them. Now, some women are aware of some of them, like there's no good men online or there's no one out there to date as you get older. Those are limiting beliefs too. But the deeper ones that have come from what, even as far back as childhood, whether it's a parent or a teacher, that starts flowing to the surface. And that is how they come up as we're doing the work. Mm -hmm. Because dating is only one piece of your life. But I had a um, coach once say to me, the way you do one part of your life is the way you do everything in your life. And Mm -hmm. so when you work, I find my clients tell me the work we do on these limiting beliefs actually turns around and affects them in the other parts of their lives too, in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So that as you work, they come up. That's Mm -hmm. really, because otherwise you don't, you're right. You don't have an awareness of them. You, you have to have someone mirror that to you in some ways, in terms of mirror to help bring it out. Right. And how do you, you talk about betraying ourselves. How do, how do we betray ourselves? It's the negative self-talk that we do. When I start, uh, when I, when we first start working on confidence, I will say to clients, what is your confidence on a scale of zero to 10? And usually in real life, people have great confidence. But when it comes to meeting men again, I've heard as low as negative five. Mm. Women forget how amazing they are because they've been listening to an ex never saying anything to them or saying negative things to them. Also society with the... uh, um, with such an emphasis on youth and not having wrinkles or any of that has created this, I'm not enough to be out there. And what we do, again, is we point evidence to that. We look at every single flaw versus all the amazing things about ourselves. And I tell women, get a rubber band, put it on your wrist. Every time you tell yourself something negative, I want you to snap that rubber band. And then I want you to tell yourself three positive things to remind you that you are more than your wrinkles or you are more than your flaws. Because we are, everybody's got flaws. Nobody's perfect. Mm. And you know, it's so easy to, to criticize ourselves and find the negative, but it's true. We don't value nearly, nearly enough what we've been through or the, the, you know, who we've become. I see it in the, in betrayal work where there is this richness, this depth, this just strength that comes from working through your challenges and working through adversity. And there is such beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to, just to only value youth, you know, you were really missing half the, half the boat right there. So, so how do we get our mojo back after? So we've been betrayed. We just feel so awful about ourselves. We have all these limiting beliefs. What do we do? Well, this is a time to really start giving to you. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. to nurture yourself. Um, it's a really great time to sit down and every day say, I'm going to do this for me. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be as simple as taking time to read, taking a bubble bath, getting a um, your favorite candy or your favorite bottle of wine. It's giving to yourself. It's allowing yourself to receive from you. As women, we have a very difficult time receiving. We're often over givers in the real world, which is a compensation for I'm going to give to you in exchange for love. So you will love me. And it never works. And the person that's over giving becomes extremely resentful. 
And then when someone tries to give to us, we become so strong and we say, no, 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 no. So the best place to learn to allow others to give to you is with yourself and to begin to nurture you and to give to you. Mm. And, you know, and and you said something that I, I know I see it all the time. And I think this would really benefit everybody if we dove into it a, a little bit deeper, where we give so that we can receive love, right? Which And yeah. it's almost like I'm going to give to you so you can love me so I can feel lovable. That's the kiss of death right there. And and if we don't strengthen from the inside, mm-hmm. I don't care what kind of external anything, it's never, ever, ever going to do the job. And then, because then think about it, if the only way we feel fulfilled is if someone else is giving something to us, well, what happens if they stop? Right, exactly. It, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. And this is why it's so important to start appreciating yourself. In fact, a great thing you could do every day is to start a journal and write down three things that you appreciate your, about yourself that day. Because I guarantee if you're journaling in real life, and I journal, what you're doing is you focus on the things you did not do right that day versus the things mm. that are amazing about you that day. And that will also help you get back in touch with how amaz- amazing you are. And just before you go to bed where... Um, you know, where you're, it's a really good time to do it because it kind of absorbs into you as you sleep. Just write down the three things that you appreciate about yourself that day. And, and I think if you read them, like go back over the week, you'll be surprised at just how amazing you are. Mm-hmm. And I want to stress what you said about right before you go to sleep, because this is, think about this. Here we have five, six, seven, eight hours, whatever, where we could either go to sleep, stressed, anxious, worried, mm-hmm. afraid, whatever emotions we're going through. And then we have all those sleeping hours to marinate on all of that or plant some empowering ideas and think about it. You have the benefit of of that sleep time, that dream time to to work on some of that stuff. And mm-hmm. it seems like, I remember, I remember learning that from Wayne Dyer. And I just thought, I was like, wow, that's so brilliant because it's it's really true. I'm going to be with those thoughts for the next bunch of hours. Why don't I just give myself something positive and empowering to think about? So I want to talk about, because so many women who are listening to this, you know, they've been hard hit. They're like, all right, I, you know, uh, this just seems like grueling work. I'm out of that relationship, (laughs) but I haven't dated in 30, 40 years. What the heck do I do now? How do I even get started with this? So take us through what they do. Well, when I work with clients, the way we get started is number one, on your confidence. It is huge. You can, you can only attract from where you're at, which means that if you're not feeling good about yourself, you are going to reattract that man in who's going to reflect that to you. And because they probably don't feel that great about themselves either. And they, def- they uh, push it off onto you. Mm-hmm. So that's really the first place. Actually, the first place, like I mentioned earlier, is healing. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a process. From your confidence, you go to a place of understanding who men are. When you were young, you built a life together. You figured things out together. But these over 50s men have changed. They are not the same kind of guy they were in their 20s. They're far more chivalrous. They're far more, if they're emotionally healthy, they're far more 
action oriented. Women are looking for romance, you know, Mm -hmm. in the form of words and cards. Men's idea of romance, believe it or not, is cutting your grass or Mm -hmm. taking your garbage out. (laughs) (laughs) So it comes to, you really have to learn to understand these men and trigger what's called the hero response in them to step up. And that's really important in terms of what we were talking about before when it came to receiving, because if you're going to be an overgiver, you're going to attract another person into your life that's going to expect you to do everything. Mm. Whereas when you know how to trigger in a man, the hero response to get him to step up and, and men do, they want to make you happy. They want to feel needed. And it actually gives you so much more power than uh, doing it all yourself. And Mm. you don't come out exhausted. Mm. Um, The next step is getting that clear vision of the right man that um, I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Most women go out there and they're looking for attraction and chemistry only. And that's not who's going to be the long haul guy for you. You need a guy that's going to be there to support you through the ups and downs. You're not building anymore. You're not getting houses and cars. Well, you're still getting houses and cars, but you're not creating children and all of that. We're in different phases of our lives. And um, that chemistry in the form of what we're looking for, looking for when we were younger mm-hmm. was to create babies. We're not creating babies. We need someone that's gonna we can have fun with, companionship with. And so women don't have that clear vision and they end up failing because they're always looking for the zing versus, oh, this is a great guy who's going to be a lot of fun to be with, who we can work together and play together and, you know, whatever else. But I, I want to clarify this because uh, are you saying there there doesn't need to be any chemistry at all or there still needs to be chemistry, but there's so much more also? Um well, most women are looking for an initial zing in their body when they meet mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. You do not need that to begin with because for women, chemistry can grow. Men have to have that initial attraction factor because they're so visual. Mm-hmm. For us, as we get to know a man, we might meet him on a first date and think he's not too cute. But if we get to know him mm-hmm. and we get into a relationship with him, all of a sudden he becomes our George Clooney. Mm-hmm. And that's when the chemistry and attraction have come in. But chemistry is a bonding hormone, is all it really is. And it was so important when you were creating babies because it comes to the caveman days where you needed to um, have a baby who could live. So you had to have chemistry with a great guy who was strong and, you know, because you had to create that baby. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, you know, it, it's so interesting too because I remember dating Beck a million years ago and and I remember starting out with someone where I thought, oh my gosh, they are just the best looking, you, you know, and the chemistry was totally there. And by the time we broke up, I would look at them like they looked so distorted or, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember thinking, how on, in the world did I find this person attractive? It's so funny how, how that chemistry changes or as your emotions change and that sort of thing. So, okay, so what you're saying is you need to have that that uh, connection uh, but the chemistry doesn't have to be to the same level as you had it when you were much younger because there are so many other factors and chemistry can grow mm-hmm. so I remember going out with a guy uh, for four dates on the fourth date I'm thinking because I was always used to chemistry too and I'm thinking 
oh, I can't do this anymore. Suddenly he reached across the table, touched my face in this way that like sent that zing right through me. <laughs> but it took four dates. So what I always tell women is to give nice men a chance mm -hmm. because they can grow on you. And, and you're, it's exactly what you're saying. Like my second husband and I had intense chemistry and I would cry when he would, when he would leave. It was that intense mm -hmm. and he was so adorable and this and that. But by the end, I'm like, exactly what you just said. What, what was here? There was nothing here. And yeah. you need that friendship, especially in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever it is, that is what's going to sustain the relationship and intimacy on other levels mm. because, well, that's a whole other subject. But um, there's other ways to be intimate besides just that intense chemistry. Now, and, and I'm just going to get super practical because I know women are like, okay, is she going to tell me how to, how to even find these men? I mean, where do they... Where do they look? Where do they go? Yeah, so that's next. You need to create a dating blueprint and that's for finding men, whether it is online, whether it's in real life, using a matchmaker or asking friends to fix you up. You want to create a dating blueprint that gives you at least two ways to find men at all times and to attract men. Because when you just rely on one way, it's rougher. It's harder. And online dating it has a lot of ups and downs to it. So you want to add something else in there too. Mm. And I want to stop you here because I could just, I'm in the minds of my listeners rolling uh -huh. their eyes like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Uh, everybody's like that because right. we think I'm going to put a profile up. He will come like in uh -huh. the dreams where he built a field <laughs> right. and they came, but that was Hollywood and fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, anything that we really have wanted in life, we've had to do some work to get to it. Mm. It doesn't just happen. Um, and dating is hard. Most people did not date when they were younger. Mm -hmm. when, and it's hard because you don't really know these steps to move forward. It's one of the biggest things I teach clients is, um, you know, their next step, where they want to go next. And most women also don't realize how many things internally, as we talked about earlier, hold them back. But women who have worked with me and we've done this work, they go to me, oh my God, this ended up being a great process. It was fun. And because I always like to make things fun, but they did the deeper work and they were able to move forward. A lot of times women doing it on their own get extremely frustrated. They go on five dates. They haven't gotten that zing from anybody mm -hmm. and they say, I quit. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, a, that's because they do not have next steps. But if you think about with a job, you are always, you want a certain job, you have to either get the education or you have to do specific steps to get the job. Mm -hmm. And anything you want, even, you know, anything you want, you have to do steps to get to it. You may not realize it because the steps might be a little easier or you're more aware of the steps. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't aware of the steps for dating. And are there, because I imagine here you are, you're, you've come out of your relationship, you're doing the work, you're ready. And now you kind of know you have a stronger sense of who you are. You're also, by the time you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, whatever, you, it's like, if you don't know who you are by now, it's time to figure it out. So are there, 
you know, you, I hear about like you go on these adventure group things or or whatever. Is there something that women like they can they can pursue based on who they are as a way for them to more maybe more easily meet somebody? Um, yeah, you can try and go on activities for sure to meet people, but I would not make that the main emphasis because oftentimes Mm -hmm. like people will say, oh, I went to a meetup and Mm -hmm. only like nerdy guys were there. Mm -hmm. And, but the key is, is to go and to just meet people because people know other people and Mm -hmm. that is how they can help to refer you to, oh my God, I think this person might be a fit for you. And let me introduce you to them. That is a lot of, that's networking is what you're really doing there when you want people to fix you up. So when you go, if you love, for example, if you love skiing and you pick a ski trip, go with the intention of having fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you'll set yourself up to fail if you're only going for the intention of um, meeting a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll forget to have the fun. Right. Okay. So that, that makes total sense. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. So now how do you, so of course the show is about betrayal. So you've been betrayed. You're you're trying to move through it. How do you get past it so that you could really enter this dating experience with all that healing done and all that sort of baggage behind you? So you bring this newest, most healed version of you into your dating experience where now you're also really clear about who you, you know, who you're ready to allow into your life Mm -hmm. and who clearly is not a fit. Walk us through that. Um, I'm, so how do you get from betrayal to knowing who you want or how you, what you do? I'm not sure of your question. Yeah. Like you've been, so you've done the healing. Mm -hmm. You, you're, you're clear like, okay, so I'm never going to be with somebody who, uh, is just only a taker. I clearly know it's got to be a give and take. I know I have to um, be able to grow with this person and and this person has to be encouraging and supportive. It's not just about them. It's about me too. Things like that. So, okay. so yeah. Does that help? Um, well, I'll give you what I think, you know, you're happy. Sure. Good. <laughs> okay. So like I mentioned before, there are those steps to go through to get to those places. Then you just have to get out and date and meet men. Because one of the biggest things you're going to find when you meet men is that you're going to learn more about what you want versus we have an idea in our head of what we want versus the reality of what is out there and who is out there. And we're often looking for the perfect person who doesn't exist. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. and, um, so you have to go out and you have to date. And the key is to be laid back. Again, don't set the parameter as, um, oh my God, this profile is so great. He could be the one. Mm-hmm. And he saw his voice was so amazingly sexy. He could be the one. You want to instead go out there and um, meet someone new and interesting and get to know them. Because when you're putting that expectation of he's the one, you're actually betraying yourself in some way. You're not giving yourself an opportunity to travel this new journey and to enjoy it. Most people want to get to the end goal. Mm -hmm. And when I was out there dating, I loved dating. It was so much fun because I got to be with all kinds of men. Some I made friends with, some relationships with, some no, nothing with. But 
it was just fun getting to know different people. And that's the best way to start because chances are, if you've been in a a betrayed situation, you have not had fun in a Mm -hmm. long time. Mm. And it's relearning fun and it's relearning how to be around the opposite sex in a different way and just get to know someone. And and you know what? This is a great point for um, moving forward and meeting someone new, but also if you're rebuilding with the same person and Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, when you're doing that, it's, you're in a position to completely rewrite your entire relationship and it's got to be something entirely new. So these are good, uh, good things to keep in mind for either case. So Lisa, what do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? About, um, I guess the biggest thing is really come to appreciate how amazing you are. That is so important. And that is what's going to help you release those limiting beliefs that other people have shared with you that you've internalized and do everything you can to really remind yourself how awesome you are. Cause you really are. You are more than, like you said earlier, Debbie, you're more than your outside. You, your inside is what really your, your beauty is that shines on the outside. Cause you look at a lot of models that are gorgeous on the outside. They don't feel so great about themselves on mm-hmm. the inside. So it's, it's, you want to shine from the inside out. And that is what makes you attractive and beautiful to a man. Beautiful. And Lisa, where do we learn more about you? Oh, come to findequalityman.com. I have a free report over there called the five little known secrets for finding a quality man. You'll also find a five or seven day man challenge there as well. That's going to really start you thinking, get you thinking about who are these over 50s men? It'll help you with that getting the hero response. But again, it's findequalityman.com. Okay. And and just to just to wrap this completely up, I just want to say there may be women out there who are looking for a quality woman. Would you say the same advice applies? Yes. You okay. still have to get that clear vision. You still have to feel confident. That you still have to know how to find them. Yes, Beautiful. it does all apply. Wonderful. Well, Lisa, I want to thank you so much for your time. And for those back out there in the headed out there in the dating world, good luck. Go get them <laughs> and have fun. Thanks so much. Lisa really helped shed some light on dating and finding a relationship after 40. And the most important lesson here is that if you're going to go through your healing, make sure you're not settling or going into this without a plan. Stay in touch with Lisa by going to findqualityman.com and we'll have her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Have fun. Get rid of the expectations that this will be the one or this event is the one where I'll meet my soulmate. Change your perspective and get rid of the attachment to the outcome. Just enjoy the experience. And once you've rebuilt yourself, you're in a greater position to meet someone worthy and deserving of the awesomeness of you because you're having fun and then the right relationship just so happens to come your way. But if you're still struggling, struggling with some leftovers from your betrayal, let me help. Take the quiz to see to what level you may still be struggling with post-betrayal syndrome. Just go to pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.